I'm reading from the New American Standard. It reads as follows. Now, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed or they were healed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. When Jesus saw this, he said, were not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, or said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Beautiful story. I want to dig into some of the, 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 the meat behind this. It's very, very important that we get this. The place between Galilee and Samaria is like a no man's land. It's where people who don't have a home, you don't have a threshold to walk over and say, this is my house. It, that you're, you're liminal. You don't have a thre- threshold, your own home. It's, you're in between, and it's a very, very tough place to be. Uh, you know that these people are lepers. When you read the Old Testament, you find out that lepers have some of the strictest laws of isolation and separation in the Old Testament. In fact, a leper can make you as unclean as quickly as touching a corpse, according to Levitical law. Okay, in terms of the top, the prime things that you can do to become unclean is touch a corpse or touch a leper or contract leprosy. And when that happens, immediate isolation takes place. You have to be isolated. And so you hear about uh, places called leper colonies because they're not allowed to mix with the masses, with the people. So this is a very, very difficult place. And evidently rumors about Jesus are spreading and they heard about him. And when they, they saw that he was coming, they began to cry out. By the way, the verbs here are all really aggressive kinds of verbs. They didn't just cry once and say, hey, Master, have mercy on us. They kept saying it over and over again. And in fact, the verb that describes Jesus seeing them is that he was staring. He was drilling right into them. In other words, they were really serious about him, and so he's going to be serious about them. And they, they came and they, they raised their voices, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I think, I think these guys knew that mercy was their only hope. And when he saw them, and I mean he really saw them, he saw right through them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And this is really interesting. Why would he command them, pop quiz, why would he command them to go to priests? Why do you think? Anybody? To show the power of God that he cured the lovers. Sure, it would be a testimony of God, but what else? The uh, priests would have to be the ones who would allow them to come back into society. 
That's it. Yeah, you're both right. It, it does accomplish a witness, but yeah, they've been separate, and the only way they're allowed to get back into family groups is if a priest declares them clean. That's the only way. And so Jesus isn't being mean when he said, when he said go to the priest. He could have said, why don't you go home? I bet you miss your wife. Or why don't you go home? I bet you miss your kids. You know, he didn't, he didn't say that because you've got to go through the priest for there to be a, a declaration of being clean so that you're allowed back into society. And then they would go be with their families. So it, had, it had to be that way, according to the local law. Now, do you know that the, the Samaritans had their own version of a temple? Did you know that? So this is a mixed group. We've got Jews, evidently Jews, and, and Samaritans in this little leper colony. And when he says, go to the priests, he's saying, you Samaritans, you go to your priests and deal with the law as according to the Samaritan tradition of the Old Testament. And you Jews, you go into Jerusalem and you, are uh, not Jerusalem, but in Galilee to the near synagogue, and you show yourselves to those priests there. And then this strange, very strange description and as they were going, they were cleansed. As they were going. Yeah. Jesus, normally his, his healings were complete and miraculous and instantaneous. The blind can see, the lame get up and walk, you know. But here, uh, they left him without being healed. He gave a command. He gave an order. There was no healing. We don't know if they got halfway, Rick, if they got a quarter of the way or 90% there. You know, we have no idea. But it was in route that they began to experience healing. And one of them turned and came back. And he kept glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell down, giving thanks. And then Jesus turns to the man in verse 19. And he says, stand up. Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Not only was this man healed of leprosy, this man experienced what it means to be born again, to become a follower of Jesus. Um, there's a couple of things I want you to pay attention to in this story. And that is this. Um, in Luke's gospel, especially Luke's gospel, it's really interesting. Uh, Jonathan, you and I have talked about this. There are people in the New Testament that think they deserve access to God and they don't have it. And the people who think don't deserve access to God are the ones that get it. It's like this, it's upside down. Look at just 10 examples of people that are outsiders who get in. Number one, a centurion soldier. Remember that guy? A Syrophoenician woman who Jesus said, hey, you don't give the bread of children to dogs. A publican who would, was so broken he wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. Prostitutes, drunks, tax collectors. An old man who epitomized poverty. A Samaritan woman at a well. A Samaritan who was kind to a man who had been abused. And a Samaritan leper who was grateful. That's fascinating. Outsiders get it. And, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lesson there certainly for me that, that sometimes, uh, you know, we, we high church, professional churchgoers, you know, we think we got it figured out. Sometimes we don't. We don't. We can hide behind our religion and hide behind our habits and our, 
you know, the church lingo, and we can miss the heart of Jesus. You get that? We can hide behind religion. We can hide behind our professional version of faith and completely miss the heart of Jesus. What are some options? What are some options in the story? Well, let me, let me, let me offer this, and then I want to turn it over to you all. They had choices. We have choices. What are some choices? Okay, let's think about grace. Stay in isolation and focus on all that is wrong with the lives of other people. <laughs> you know, stay in your leper colony and really be bitter and, and be really good at finding things that are wrong in other people. Does that make sense? Isolate. By the way, isolation leads to depression and depression leads to isolation, by the way. Just stay isolated and focus on all the wrong stuff in the lives of other people or certainly stay in isolation and fixate on all that's wrong with our lives, you know? You know, it's almost like you get two kinds of leprosy going on, you know, leprosy on the outside, leprosy on the inside, you know? Just stay in isolation and focus on all the junk that's wrong. Do that. You can do this one. You can stay in isolation and focus on all that could have been. Anybody here? Don't raise your hands. It's rhetorical. Anybody here got any regrets? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I do. I do. Boy, if I could go back to the fourth grade, I'd do something different, you know. Man, and I felt like by junior high, I was ready to deal with the locker, you know, and that whole passcode thing. It's just the pressures were great, you know. Man, regrets. Wouldn't it be cool if you could go back and get a redo? But we can't. And when you isolate and you fixate on what could have been, you miss out on a lot of God's grace. Okay? When you fixate on the mistakes of other people, you fixate on your own mistakes, and you fixate on what could have been. You miss grace. You miss in the heart of Jesus. You miss it. Okay? So here's a couple of other options. Number one, start following the heart of Jesus. But check this out. Without any evidence of healing. There's the trick, right? He's the healer. He's the miracle worker. They come up, they're crying, they're begging, heal us, heal us, have mercy. And he goes, okay, go, go to the priest and show him. Show him. Now, we scientific left-lobed Americans would say, show him what? There's nothing to show him. Look, I still have leprosy. Look, I'm missing a toe. You know, show him what? Can we get the heart of Jesus even when we don't get the answers we want at the beginning? Rick? I think it's important to note that you know, all ten were healed because they had enough faith to obey. Yeah, yeah. But only one had gratitude. Yes, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, Rick, yeah. And in fact, I, I have a hunch, I'm just... I'm going with my gut here, okay? Can you all understand I'm going with my gut right now? I just have a hunch they were probably all grateful. They were all grateful. Wouldn't you be grateful? Sure they were. But you know what? Nine of them were so excited about getting what they wanted, they forgot the guy who gave it. They were so grateful. The nine were so grateful for getting what they wanted that they forgot the guy that gave it. I bet they were all grateful. 
But that one guy, by the way, who's a Samaritan? An unclean dog, a half-breed. He's a half-breed Jew. His parents made some super dumb mistakes during a Babylon captivity, and it led to, to mixed race, and they became half-breeds and polluted bloodline, and the pure-blood Jews hated the Samaritans. Half-breed dogs. And he's the guy that gets it. Yeah. Do you believe that the heart of Jesus is so compelling, his teachings are so compelling, that you could follow him without any evidence of healing at all? Could you take your first steps of faith? Could you? And that includes the private stuff that you deal with that maybe nobody knows about, that maybe you know, family relationships, friends, marriage, maybe your faith is damaged. How about this one? Uh, see healing as a process and not as magic that releases you from responsibilities. Yes, sir. They, they had none. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you got to hit the bottom, right? Because there's only one way up, Rick. That is so true. That is so true. See, healing is a process. It's a process. Discipleship doesn't happen like that, you know. Um, there have been so many times in my life when, when things go well, I'm a theologian. <laughs> I've got all the answers. Things are going well. And then when they don't go so well, I end up scratching my head saying, I have mercy on us. Oh, God. I thought I had this thing figured out, and wow, it, life is bigger than me. You know, it's a process. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, lukewarm because they're hiding behind their religion. Yeah. And in order to heal, you have to get down. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Lisa. By the way, this is Lisa. Thank you. Um, yeah. Hey, everybody. Yeah, Lisa. Okay. Um, so let's do this. Let me let me click this back. And there's there's the text. All right. Now, you're the gifted body of Christ. Some of you are gifted as prophets. You're gifted with discernment, mercy, wisdom, all the gifts. It's amazing. Lisa asked a pretty, a really insightful question. What are you going to do if you, you don't get, get down to the root and so your tendency is to isolate? Um, you're the gifted body of Christ. Care for yourself. How do we pull this from 2,000 years ago? and pull it into our lives today, the everyday lives that we live, our homes, our families, our marriages, our, we work, all this. 
How do you help someone get down to the root of this stuff? Be more open about it. Yes, yes. Someone else, speak from your gifts. How does it, Janice? Well, I've been looking at these verses. Um, the leprous men who stood at a distance, they asked. They raised their voices and asked. The first <coughs> thing they did was ask. The second thing that they did was when he told them to step out of faith and go to the priest and show them their healing, if they had not taken a first step to walk towards the priest, would they have been healed? I don't know. Yeah. But they did, and so they were healed. So yeah. it's asking and then stepping out in faith. Yeah, yeah. That's good, Janice. Hold that thought. In fact, the verb go, go and show, is passive. In other words... Jesus knew what he was doing. Of course he did, but let me say it this way. He knew what he was doing. It's a passive verb. Now, I don't know if these lippers guys caught what he was saying, but he's saying, look, I want you to go. Because it's a passive verb. God was doing something really amazing in their lives, but they had to take the first step, Janice. God was doing the work, but they had to move their feet. That's so good. Yes? I am fortunate to be in a 12-step That's good. That's good. So this is kind of cool. You ready for this? Buckle up. Um, the, when he says to the guy that 
hey, your faith has made you well, like go in peace. That verb is middle voice. Okay, real fancy way of saying this. You're born again, act like it. For your own sake. It's a middle voice. For your own sake, go. Go, go to your people, go to your family. For your own sake, do this. Yeah, it's amazing. You nailed it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Someone else, how would we uh, met? Well, that's the whole reason why Jesus came here in the first place was to break down the barriers that we humans put up. I mean, Catholicism has done it, Judaism has done it, people have all done it where we say it's where we build up these intermediaries when Jesus is the only intermediary. Yeah, we need. yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, Yes. Yeah. Yes. He is the mediator. This is good. Someone else, Phil, uh, Jonathan. Yes. In this section here, I think that all ten of these men knew that Jesus was doing the works of God, and I think this one was the only one that realized that this was God. Yeah. 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 That's good. That is so good, Philip. Chris, when I'm reading and hearing the story, it makes me think about uh, a question I ask myself in a retrospective way. What's the most valuable thing I have? Yeah. Really? I mean, it's not Christ, then I'm going to be broken. Yeah. And the best thing about Christ is not only is he my most valuable thing, he values me more than I value myself. Yeah. And so, yeah. when you are looking at healing too, I think it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can bring up the root issues in your life. Mm-hmm. The reasons why you are isolated. Yeah. And you know it. And it's that fear and pride you have to get over to really value what God values in you yeah. to yeah. get the help you need yeah. and yeah. the love that you guys are waiting for. That is so good, Philip. I want to show you guys something. I meant to comment about this earlier. Look at that first one. Uh, stay in isolation and focus on what is wrong in the lives of other people. I'm not sure if you appreciate the significance of that. So John chapter 9, there's a man who's blind, and Jesus and the 12 disciples are walking by, and they see this guy begging. And so they ask a very innocent question. They say, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents? Culturally, what does that reveal to you? Whose fault it was. What's that? Whose fault it was. Yeah, yeah. Now, kind of get your Jewish eyes and ears on. What's the backstory there? What causes disease? Sin. So this guy's born blind, which means he either sinned. How do you sin in utero? I don't know, but he was born blind. It must have been bad in the womb. Or it was something mom or dad did. Right? What's that? Generational curses, yeah, exactly. So we're not really sure what was going on, but Jesus said no. It wasn't that his parents sinned. It wasn't that he sinned. It was to reveal the glory of God in this, in this person's life. So guess what? Um, if you put on your Jewish mindset, we're, we're going to try to find blame. We, man, we're just good at it. Wow, we're good at it. And we can have this crazy hyper-focus on ourselves and blame ourselves into the dirt. Into the dirt. We're so bad, hell's an upgrade. That's how bad we are. You know, and that's nuts. Or you do it to other people. You know, you're so bad, you don't deserve hell either. That would be like going to first class for you. 
that's how bad you are. No, you can get all, you can get all knotted and twisted up in this stuff and fail to see what's really going on. But the fact is, this, with these lepers, don't you know that people said that very same thing? Huh, look at that leper. I wonder who's standing on that deal. That was bad. Where's mom and dad? What did he do? Blue, what did she do? They, they, they thought that way. They lived under that cloud that everybody around them assumed there was some sin scandal and it resulted in leprosy because that's the judgment of God and they deserve the isolation they're getting. And Jesus comes along and doesn't shun and shame. And he says, okay, hey, come on, guys, just go. Go, watch what happens. Take a step of faith. Yeah. Yep, that's good. Okay, someone else? Yeah, Andrew. Long process, process. Not, not, like not 50 yards worth. No, not, not like um, a four and a half mile walk for the priest, but you know, like yeah. 20 years. Now, you were clinically blind, is that correct? Yeah. You ought to hear her story sometime. It's amazing uh, what Andrea has been through and how uh, God brought healing in, the, in a process to her life. It's amazing. So someone else, how do, we, how do we deal with external leprosy or maybe the appropriate thing to say is internal leprosy? Mason. You know, but think that I think the, the greatest blessing of the disease of leprosy is that you can't hide it. And that you look at it and the person who has it sees it, the person who doesn't have it who's looking at that person sees it, it's very evident. Yes. Um, one of the, the scary things about um, Satan's attack on today's culture is the uh, the I can do it on my own mentality. And so if, if you look at me and you see strength, then that's what I want you to see. Uh, so you don't see the anxiety, you don't see the isolation, the whatever sin that we want to have uh, that's hiding that I can put a jacket on and nobody sees it uh, and so 
so one of the blessings of that is that you can't hide leprosy. And so you have to deal with it. But yet we try to hide so many of our uh, coping me methods. Uh, yeah, and so okay, if we yeah. come together and right. we share those, uh, then we can actually begin to deal with it because it's yeah. there's a lot yeah. of diseases that are a lot more dangerous than leprosy because it's hidden until yes. Christchurch, thank you for being a safe place for a lot of people. Lots and lots of people. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to um, return. You want to say something? Me? Yeah. Oh, well, I saw I, you flinch. I did. Um, Politics. In the front row, that's all it is. No, I was just really thinking a lot about it. And I feel like even in today's society, you know, we could be just like those Jewish folks where we say, well, you know, they're in that state because they didn't do the right thing. So, um, you know, they deserved it, or that's something that's, that's happening. And, and I'm just kind of really taken from, you know, back to, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's about getting Jesus. He meets us where we're at, but he... Um, we can't say that this and this and this and this because at the end of the day we're going to fall at some point and, and we're going to be the we're going to be one of two people we're going to be the guy who's, who's kneeling saying thank God I'm not like them or I'm going to be the person who's saying thank you God that you've had mercy on me and I'm yeah. a pitiful person and, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. it's that person you have to consider yourself Philippians 2 you nailed it Justin let me read this to you. This is, uh, this is the Apostle Paul's attempt at trying to explain in power language the miracle of new birth. This is what he says. Okay. Um, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord not worthy of Baptists, not worthy of Catholics, not worthy of any of that stuff, that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that please in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all power according to his glorious might, retaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who qualified us, just in that critical, he qualified us to share the inheritance of the sanctified. You don't earn it. You don't qualify yourself to go in. Now, you're like a semi-pro grade cyclist. You do qualify on lots of your races, don't you? You have to compete and all that stuff. Right? Roll with this illustration. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll, you'll find out if you qualify or not. Really there you go. It's black and white. Right, there you go. And yet, there's no way I can qualify myself, but he did it for me. And then Paul said this. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Beautiful. That is beautiful. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and leprosy within and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and whom, listen, this is amazing. Redemption is that we have the forgiveness of our sins. It's amazing. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Can we kind of get quiet? By the way, I love the crying babies. 
I don't know if crying babies bothered you. They don't bother me. You know why? Because it means life. It means family. It's okay if the baby's cry. If it upsets you, you're instantly recruited for the nursery. <laughs> Just let me know how it's going to happen. Crying babies are okay. Babies have to learn to take their first steps, right? And they fall and they get up and they take another step. Okay, let's kind of borrow that idea of a baby learning to walk. How about you? Do you believe you, 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 you've got enough faith inside of you? Maybe, maybe you've come to the end of yourself. Mason, maybe you're at rock bottom, however you choose to articulate that. You're... You've got no other options, right? There's no other choices. Are you willing to take a step toward the process of following the heart of Jesus and let him work out the cleanup operation? Clean up the mess. Okay, that's the question. I want you to pray with me, okay? Father, Father, thank you for everybody that's here. Thank you for... In fact, you qualified us. It was something you did. And you've rescued us, domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of your son. You've redeemed us. You've forgiven us. It's amazing. Um, I'm Father. There's some people here who need to take their first step. And they don't need to hide it. And I ask for grace. And this love that casts out fear and is encourages, please. Bless and, and, and we're gonna and we're gonna thank you for what you're accomplishing in our lives and we're grateful but we also know that it comes from you and so we stop to say thanks. Um, um Father, you're wonderful. Um, we're gonna get our hearts ready to tell you how thankful we are right now, please. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.